0: Kendra Winchester, here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we are reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 57, where we are talking about the 2019 Reading Women Award winners. Hi, Kendra. Hello, Autumn. It is that time of year again. Oh my goodness. The best time of the year. It really is. And I feel like every year we get to invite two new books into the fold of books that we buy for all of our friends and and give away in fact i just bought five copies of pachinko to hand out to people (laughs) (laughs) yeah and this year i've had the problem where i mean we've picked these books out
1: several several weeks ago and so now when people are talking about christmas gifts i want to say oh you need to read this book and then i have to stop because i'm like well you can read it but i can't say yet that it's the award winner (laughs) Because We haven't told anyone yet, but today that's solved.
0: That's true. I was talking about um, how we were recording this with someone else and I'm pretty sure I totally spoiled what book (laughs) won. And (laughs) I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. You'll find out. And then whatever. It's cool.
1: (laughs) So true. So true.
0: So before we
1: get into talking about who this year's winners are, let's have a little recap
0: about who the past winners have been. Right. So we started this award in 2016 and that year we just had runners up we didn't have a short list but the winners were Shelter by Jung Yoon for fiction and then All the Single Ladies by Rebecca Traster for nonfiction.
1: And Rebecca Traster is still one of our all-time favorite authors and Shelter is still like I still find myself thinking about that book.
0: Yeah it, it, there's some scenes in there that you just can't forget and the way that she writes about this family and being a you know second generation American and different things is incredibly beautiful so uh, we also have an interview with her with Jung Yoon uh, that went out I think in 2017 and then we have our interview with Becca Traster coming out next week so stay tuned you'll be able to hear more from them and In 2017, Hunger by Roxane Gay won the nonfiction and Pachinko by Min Jin Lee won the fiction prize. And so we have an interview with Min Jin Lee and we are ever hopeful that our Christmas wish that we'll be able to talk to Roxane Gay one day (laughs) about it. And that was
1: also the first year that we did a short list. So if you go to our website, you can see that list, the books that we were considering, and then obviously find out more about the books that
0: won and listen to those episodes as well. And in their show notes, we will list all of those relevant episodes and the interviews with past winners, so you can go check them out. Uh, but today, we are going to talk about the winners of the 2018 Reading England Awards. And we're just just incredibly excited, excited for it. So, just going to get gushing. Autumn, do you want to take the first <laughs> one? <laughs> sure. So,
1: our nonfiction winner this year is Educated, a memoir by
0: Tara Westover, and it is published by random house and this book autumn this book is just i keep thinking about this book i keep seeing other people talk <laughs> about this book and i have argued with with the pete random people on the internet about this book but i feel like how long it stayed in our minds and on our hearts really to be slightly cliched it really is a testament to how moving this book is It really is.
1: And before we talk about a little bit more about why we picked this book, let's just back up and summarize it a little bit. So Tara Westover tells the story of growing up in a fundamentalist Mormon household in rural Idaho. And the title Educated not only talks about how she went from being someone who didn't go to high school, didn't have any formal training, to someone who studied at Harvard and who now has a PhD and so it's about education on that level but it's also about her education as a person and like growing and developing as a person. It is a hard book to read because there is some domestic violence in it but at the same time I think it's a really important book and one that talks about a subset of American culture that really doesn't get talked about that much.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we talked to Elizabeth Cat earlier this year about Hillbilly Elegy and the issues with Hillbilly Elegy. And actually, J.D. Vance blurb this book. But one of the things that I think is important about Educated is that this is the book that we, like rural America, deserved. <laughs> not a prescription for how rural America should change. She's not doing that at all. And she's not... And she's very respectful of the Mormon religion in which she grew up and points out that this was a specific circumstance in her family. She's very respectful of the Mormon religion and points out that her parents were very much outliers and her father also had a mental illness that her parents knew about but didn't do anything about because her dad is also a survivalist and doesn't believe in hospitals or public education and so that really hindered him getting help and also had a huge effect on the family and she points out that her brother who's also who is very abusive physically might also have inherited some of her dad's mental illness.
1: Absolutely. And in that way, this book is very nuanced. It's not a, I left my religion and now, you know, I'm everything. My parents didn't want me to be kind of a book at all it's she's very kind and very gracious and I think it shows a lot of maturity on her part and it shows a lot of thoughtfulness that this is not just something she wrote in a fit of emotion but it's actually something that she's been thinking about and mulling over and studying and kind of processing for a long time
0: I think that goes to her job as like, she's essentially an academic, she's a historian, and she studied at Cambridge and got her MA and her PhD there. And she examines her own past as a historian and goes to primary sources, i.e. her family and friends from where she grew up, and asks them about these specific memories that she has. And she'll say in the text, like, this is how I remember it, but so and so said this thing. So we don't actually know but this is how I remembered it and this is how I feel about it and how I processed it. And I had so much respect for her for doing that, for acknowledging how memory isn't as reliable as we would think it would be and how that still had an effect on who she is as a person. Absolutely.
1: There's a section of the book where she talks about her journals that she kept as a teenager because she journaled all through um, her all through her adolescence and childhood. And she's talking about how this is near the end of the book as she's kind of, after she's grown up and moved out of the house and is kind of starting to analyze her family a little bit more critically than perhaps she did before. And she says, I began to defer always to the judgment of others. If Drew, her brother, remembered something differently than I did, I would immediately concede I began to rely on Drew to tell me the facts of our lives. I took pleasure in doubting myself whether we had seen a particular friend last week or the week before or whether our favorite crepery was next to the library or the museum. Questioning these trivial facts and my ability to grasp them allowed me to doubt whether anything I remembered had happened at all. My journals were a problem. I knew that my memories were not memories only, that I had recorded them, that they existed in black and white, this meant more than my memory this meant that more than my memory was an error the delusion was deeper in the core of my mind which invented in the very moment of the occurrence then recorded the fiction so she's kind of talking about how she's realizing that she kind of made up stories as she went along to like cope with things as a way to kind of buffer herself but even in that like she's analyzing what happened and taking it from a historian's perspective.
0: Yeah. And I think that really emphasizes how much of this book isn't about a woman pulling herself up by her own bootstraps and go striking out on her own. It's more about her finding a field that she loves and studying that field but also coming to terms with the emotional and physical abuse that she suffered as a young woman and I feel like this is such a, a important example of someone who suffered that kind of abuse and the thought processes that they have to go through to work through those things either you know with a therapist or um, I know often a lot of times religious leaders will also have training and therapy and different kinds of things, which she's also done both, um, and, and the importance of thinking through that. And I've never read such a beautiful description of that, especially considering that she's an academic now. And so looking back on that, she's analyzing things from a certain way with certain tools that she's learned. Uh, but I think it's so important because for those of us who haven't suffered in that kind of familiar circumstances with domestic abuse of emotional and physical kinds that that's a very difficult process and what she's identifying in the passage that you just mentioned is something that she struggles with throughout pretty much the entire book
1: right is believing herself and did this happen or did it not happen and i think in that sense she very accurately and clearly shows what emotional abuse does to somebody and how one like wrestles with that whole process of Believing yourself again.
0: And she also loves her family. Like, even though her family does horrible things to her uh, on many levels, she still loves them deeply. And I think that's so important to note that even someone who hurts you repeatedly, you can still have a great amount of love for, and that will color the way that you view them as people. Definitely. And we talked about this when we discussed this book on the
1: podcast a couple months ago. But there were quite a few reviews that I read where people said, oh my goodness, I can't believe that she just didn't, like, how could she be so dumb? Like, why didn't she just, like, cut off all ties with her family and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's more complicated than that, you know because of how isolated she was, her family was all that she had, for one, and two, she did actually care about them, which I think is one of the complicated things about being a human, is that you can feel two things at one time, and I think she handles it brilliantly.
0: So we really love this book, and when we're thinking about the shortlist and different things that We loved about all the different books. We kept coming back to Educated because she is a voice of a woman from a circumstance which we typically don't hear from because the very aspect of that they are isolated. Uh, That's the very nature of isolation. It's the fact that she's come out of that situation and is telling her story as she remembers it, I think is incredibly important. And so we kept thinking about her process and about how this isn't just a book about a woman gaining an education in unusual circumstances. She's also working through a lot of emotional, mental health and familial situations and it's just an incredible story that I think I'll. I I mean I don't know about you, but I just want to share it with everyone. I think <laughs> like
1: everyone needs to read this
0: book,
1: definitely. And we had some really truly incredible books on our short list this year, and it, we went round and round and round about which one to pick because there are so many good ones. But I think that this one had. Um, I think that this one resonated with us personally, and I think it just is a book that we just. I don't know really stuck with us and the way she handles the topic and the way she talks about it I think is just really masterful and how she handles that as well so those were some of the factors that went into us picking this one as the winner this year
0: yeah definitely I keep remembering how I would listen to interviews with Tara, and she's an incredibly gracious and kind person. And they would be incredibly clueless as to the circumstances from which she came, from Tara when Tara came. And you know, you know, we both grew up in Appalachia. We grew up in rural circumstances, and we left that to go uh, pursue our love of literature and different things. And so many levels we related to this book for personally. And we don't really see that very often in literature. And the fact that we were able to see ourselves in this book, I think is incredibly important because people should be able to see themselves, different aspects of themselves uh, in books. And I personally just, just connected. You know, there's some of those books that you just read and you're just like, okay, this is it. I I see myself. I, I feel with Tara and Her story is so beautiful, and she's overcome so much, and she's an important voice for women, I think.
1: And I will say, too, I know from personal experience that this book makes for a lively book club discussion. So (laughs) if you're looking for book club picks for the upcoming year, this one might be a good one to add to your list. But definitely expect some lively debate amongst your friends. (laughs) So, the nonfiction winner is Educated by Tara Westover.
0: And that brings us to our uh, ad spot. And so, this episode of Reading Woman is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. So,
1: as you all know, we are huge fans of audiobooks. And the cool thing about Libro FM is that it lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, which is super cool. So, you can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks. And they have everything from New York Times bestsellers. And then another cool feature they have is that they have recommendations from booksellers across the country. So it's kind of a more personalized pick as well. So with Libro FM, you get the same audiobooks as you would get other places at the same prices as other places. But then you also get to help support your local bookstores, which is really amazing and something that we are huge fans of.
0: Yeah. And I chose uh, M. Judson, my local indie bookstore, and you can choose what bookstore you want to support with your account, which is just incredibly cool. And so they have partnered with bookstores around the country to be able to do that. So if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get get more books into your busy life. You can listen during your commute or when you're cooking or when you're walking your corgi, <laughs> or just when you're relaxing at home and Shopping on the internet for your family's Christmas gifts. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. I'm currently listening to the manual for cleaning women by Lucia Berlin. And I really love her. And I really like how you have organized folders of the different audio books that you have. Yes, it's so cool on the, oh, we love organization. <laughs> We're all here for that. Uh, so they also though, have a reading women award playlist and we will link that in our show notes and Libro FM has created this playlist of all the shortlisted titles that are available on audiobook in the United States you can go check that out if you're looking for any of the audiobooks from our various shortlists and it's just so cool to see that I listen to most of our shortlists on audio so I can recommend so many of those and with great narrators great stories they're just really amazing and as a special promotion for listeners
1: of this podcast, you can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one, which is just amazing. Um, so go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot and enter the code RW to get three months of audiobooks for the price of one, which is just amazing. So you can catch up on some of the Reading Women Award titles you might not have gotten to yet. And of course, with each listen, you can take pride in knowing that you're, you are supporting your local bookstore and also getting to listen to some amazing audiobooks.
0: So that is Libro.fm, code RW, and we will link to that in our show notes. And thank you so much to Libro.fm for sponsoring this episode of The Reading Room Podcast. And that brings us to our Fiction Award. So Kendra, would you like to talk about that? Of course. Of course. I am so excited to talk about this book today. And so the fiction winner of the Reading Win Award for 2018 is All the Names They Use for God, which is our story collection, and that's by Anjali Sachdeva and that's out from Spiegel and Growl. So this
1: pick sneaked up on us.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did. And, you know, we read this early on in the year, and we try to not attach ourselves to any particular title early on so that we have a fair range. And so we kept thinking about this book, and we kept talking about the short stories in it, and we kept recommending it to everyone and their mother's brother. And, you know, we were like, wait, this is it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think because we read it so early in the year, we kind of forgot about it. And then when we rediscovered it, we were like, oh, yes, this is it, of course. (laughs)
0: So this is a short story collection, actually her debut short story collection, and it has a lot of fantastical elements in it and a wide range from uh, just small pieces of magical realism to full-blown sci-fi fantasy. And she shows such a range of talent and imagination in this collection. For sure. And that's the
1: thing about short stories that I mean, I've read a lot of short story collections, and sometimes they are pretty homogenous, which is not a problem. Um, But they have, like, a, a theme or, like, a style that's consistent throughout. And these were so broad, like, from the styles to the topics. And there is a theme that runs through them, but it's not like every story is set in the same time period or every story features the same characters or anything like that. It is just a magical roller coaster ride
0: <laughs> it it so is and you know Roxane Gay actually reviewed this collection on her Goodreads and she says there's such there's so much range here and there is a nice fabulous edge to nearly all of the stories the writer wields so much confidence and control in her prose and my goodness what imagination what passion there is in this work from one story to the next I felt like the writer knows everything about everything one of the best collections I've ever read every single story is a standout and I co-sign I co signed that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And we got to interview Anjali earlier this year, and one of the things that she told us, which was really fascinating, was that she read the
0: entire book out loud before she published it. Yes, and you can definitely tell. I listened to the audiobook for the last half of the stories in this collection, and when you read the story out loud, it has such a beautiful cadence and sound to it that I definitely think that the best type of writing has and you can tell she put so much effort into that and when she was doing that but also the order of the collection and how being aware of how the reader was going to feel at the end of each story versus starting the next one and it was just incredibly well structured definitely so since this is a
1: short story collection it's not like we can discuss the plot arc or the characters or anything like that. So we thought that we would just pick a few of our favorite stories
0: from the collection and talk about those. Right. So I have my trusty book here, so forgive me if you hear pages in the background. The first story we're going to talk about is The World by Night, which is the first story in the collection, and it's about an albino woman on the American frontier, and she finds this cave while her husband is away uh, doing work to be able to support her. And one of the things I really loved about this entire collection is her descriptions. Um, So I wanted to read the description of the cave when she sees it, uh, because I think it it really captures the essence of the story and so when she finds the cave she begins exploring it each day or every few days and and discovering more about it so it says some days she ventures through the tunnel into the larger room and beyond she takes with her cloth scraps that she ties as markers so she will not lose her way, and the farther she explores, the more wonders she discovers. In some places, streams of icy water cut through the caves, and after spending many long minutes staring into the current, she notices the darting movement of small white fish and crayfish throwing back the light of her lantern. In other places, she finds chimneys in the rock that seem to drop down forever and empty riverbeds where stone feels like melted glass. Pale crickets chirp from hidden niches, every room holds some new wonder, and the joy of discovery stokes in her a boldness she has never felt in the world above. Her only regret is that Zachary, her husband, is not with her. She knows he believes he has seen everything the world has to offer, but he has never seen anything like this. Ah, and that sets the tone for the entire collection! (laughs) Isn't that just amazing how she is able to communicate so much in just a short paragraph of description? No word is wasted. No sentiment or meaning is left without more meaning behind it. I read that story and I was like, oh, I think I know. Like, I think I have a taste of
1: what this collection is going to be. And then I was like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> um, real quick. Yeah, and one of the things I really liked about this story in particular was how it was magical without being magical.
0: <laughs> like, there's surreal things happening, but it seems totally believable. Right. And she has that balance of having these tiny, fantastical elements that, you know, if you stretched it a little bit, you could believe that would happen in real life. And you know, you you just find yourself making more and more concessions until something totally fantastical happens and you're like, Oh, okay. All right, well, it really is fantastical.
1: But the language is just beautiful and like the descriptions and as that quote you read from Roxanne Gay, like her imagination is just
0: incredible. Like, I've literally never read anything like this collection before. And I think that's just really speaks to why we chose this book is because this book is special. There is really nothing like it. And I read a lot of short story collections this year. And this is by far the best one I've read. And it's just it's so good.
1: So the story that Kendra just read from is more
0: set in, I would say, pioneer times. Yeah, it definitely has that feel to it.
1: But there's a story later on, like near the end of the book, called Manus, and it is definitely more... Science fiction-y? Yeah, science fiction-y, futuristic, and I'm not going to give away the ending. And this is actually one of the longer stories in the book, but I'm going to read the first paragraph or so. Yvette and I were in bed watching through a gap in the curtains as my neighbor, Lou Spellman, stood at his mailbox and cried. The corner of the box was pressing into his gut, and he took a handkerchief from his pocket and wiped his nose. What do you think happened? I said to Yvette. Draft card, obviously. What, are you stupid? A woman came out of the house across the street and went to stand with Lou. I'd seen her before, always thought she was pretty, but had never gotten around to talking to her. Now she was rubbing Lou's shoulder while he kept right on crying. I turned away from the window. If I was stupid, would you be... Oh, no, I'm not going to read that part. See, now she was rubbing Lou's shoulder while he kept right on crying. I turned away from the window. So he then goes on to describe how Yvette had recently gotten her draft card. And then he starts talking about his job. And then... And then things take a turn where like, so you think maybe it's like a military draft. And then he says, the architecture firm I worked for had gotten the contract to design the supplementary housing for the master's new American headquarters in Washington, which meant extra hours at the office. A lot of plans were getting scrapped and having to be redrawn because after seven years, we were still learning about the master's. They despised physical contact, even with one another, so all the hallways had to be three times as wide as we would have made them for people. They hated rough surfaces, so where we would have liked to put carpeting, there had to be acrylic tile instead. And it goes on and on to describe it. So you realize very early on that something is not quite right in this world that we live in. So it's not like a military draft, and we don't know what it is yet, but this is it's such a great like science fiction kind of story.
0: It is. And as you, as you read along, I feel like it gets more and more fantastical and it takes you from this seemingly modern, regular everyday kind of scene that you read in the beginning to something very, very different.
1: Yes. And I think that just shows how she's able to set a scene and, Set your expectations and then totally turn your expectations on your head, which I think is what makes this short story collection so memorable for me, at least.
0: Yes. Everything about this book is so well thought out and well structured. It's such a wide range. It's not like you're telling the same story over and over. And sometimes I feel like short story collections have filler stories, but each one of these stories is just amazing. And I was just so impressed with her. And I can't believe this is her first short story collection.
1: I know. I know. And I read it way back in March, I think, or February. And I definitely need to reread it because even reading these excerpts
0: now, I'm, Thinking,
1: ah, I loved these so much and I need to read them again.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. And I really like to annotate in my books, and I didn't get a chance to annotate the second half. So I definitely want to go back and do that. I feel like we could gush about this book for like hours. <laughs> we could. We could. And yeah, definitely. Uh, so that is the fiction winner of the 2018 reading Men Award. And that is All the Names They Use for God by Anjali Sachdeva. Wow. What a year of reading. I know, right? There were so many great nonfiction picks, especially this year. And I felt like this year there was a lot more competition. And yeah, there's just so much going on with uh, women's writing. And I'm just so happy to be part of that. Absolutely. So do you want to talk a little bit about what we have coming up for next year? Right. So we are on our break, our last episode will go up on december 12th and that is an interview and then we will have return with another interview on january 16th but we will have our break for the holidays but we will be back with so many new things and we're very very excited
1: we really are and we have some amazing stuff planned for the podcasts for the upcoming year and one of the things we did want to let you all know about is that As you know, if you've been listening to this podcast or following us on Instagram for a while, we have grown so much in the last year. So first of all, thank you all so much for that. We would not be here if it weren't for you, and we are so appreciative for your support. But as a result, we've decided to bring on a few contributors to the Reading Women team. So they will be helping out with reviews, they'll be helping out with co-hosting on episodes, and many, many other ways just to kind of help us read a little bit more we're only two people we can only read so many books at one time so it'll give us a lot wider range in the books that we review and talk about which is something that we're really interested in doing and also just give us some more breathing room to make sure we meet our deadlines a little bit ahead of schedule in the upcoming year and kendra and i will still be here leading the way but we're just going to bring on these few extra helping hands to do everything that needs to be done and to do even more cool stuff on the podcast next year
0: i think it's always great to have more perspectives on literature and different opinions and interests because we're just two people and we're from very similar backgrounds and we have very similar interests but we want people with more interests and backgrounds and so we're very excited about it
1: super excited we yeah
0: I'm going to just repeat
1: everything you said. So um, (laughs) instead of doing that, Kendra, would you like to introduce the round of contributors that will be joining us next year?
0: All right. So we have three contributors joining us next year, and we've been so excited about this. We've been playing this and have have this in the works for about... I don't know how many months now, but the first one um, is Jacqueline Masters. She's an Australian living in Texas, so she has a great perspective on Aussie Lit, and you can find her at Six Minutes for Me. She's a lawyer, and they charge in six-minute increments, so I think that's a clever... Little pun there. The next one is Sachi Argabright. Uh, she is a very enthusiastic Asian American reader, and she has a corgi named Yuki, which I feel is very important to point out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she lives in the Midwest, so she's going to be helping us out with that. And then our last contributor is Samaya Nassim. She is from Saudi Arabia, but she's studying for her English MA in India, and we've been friends with her for a long time and are so excited that she agreed to join uh, as we are with all of these contributors. We will link their uh, Instagram accounts down below. You can find, uh, again, uh, Jacqueline at Six finish for me, Sachi at Sachi Reads, and Samaya at Samaya Books.
1: We are so excited to have them joining us for the Reading Women team next year. It is going to be an amazing book
0: year. Yes, and you might find a few things hidden in the reading woman challenge and our themes for next year that are inspired by our new contributors so keep an eye out for that and that is it for this episode yes so thank you so much for listening and if you haven't already we would love it if you left us a wonderful holiday present By reviewing us in Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice, we feel so encouraged by your wonderful reviews and thank you so much if you've already done that. You can also find more reviews and new books in our newsletter. You can find that linked in the show notes. And as a reminder, all the books that we've mentioned today, including the links to our new contributors, will be in our show notes. Thank you so much to Libro FM for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. We greatly appreciate your support and definitely go check them Out if you haven't already, and be sure to join us next month where we start a whole
1: new year of Reading Women podcast shows. We'll have interviews, book recommendations. We'll be talking more about the new reading challenge for the year, and so much more. And we'll, as always, we're online all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And mean, and over the break, you can find Reading Women on Instagram and Twitter. We will still be posting regularly at the Reading Women. You can find Kendra at KD Winchester and me at Autumn Privet. And as always, you can find us at readingwomenpodcast.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your year and we will talk to you in 2019. Storybound is a podcast where acclaimed writers read their essays and stories, which are then scored by unique and award-winning composers, with each episode hosted by myself, Jude Brewer. With Storybound, you'll find a whole array of genres and musical styles, some painful yet sweet, or hilarious yet tragic, all brought to you by the podglomerate and Lit Hub Radio. Hi, I'm So up Hi, I'm Megan Angelo. This is Tommy Orange. This is Amanda Stern. This is Phil Cly. Hello, this is Stephanie Danler. My name is Chloe Caldwell,
0: and you're listening to Storybound. Storybound. This
1: is Storybound. Story Storybound.
0: Storybound. This is the Storybound podcast.
1: Season two will be arriving on July 14th with new episodes every Tuesday featuring writers like Stephanie Danler, Garth Greenwell, Tommy Orange, Chloe Caldwell, and more. Make sure to subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a friend,
0: because the next best thing to hear in a great story is having someone to share it with.